This dynamic message is brought to you by Redemption in Jesus with Marco Rava. And so today we are continuing with our series that we started a couple of weeks ago, and it is titled The Freeing Truth About, that's the main title of the series, and then today is subtitled Getting Out of Fellowship with God when we do wrong, or as some people would say, when we sin. And so <clears throat> I know that that is something that is commonly taught in Christendom. And, you know, and I will show you today, I will give you some proof today. It is an erroneous doctrine. Um, it misleads people. And part of the reason of, for that is because of a mixture of law and grace. You know, what people do is they take the old covenant way of relating to God and they take the new covenant way of relating to God and they mix the two and come up with their own mixture of relating to God. And they say, well, this is gospel truth. When in truth, <laughs> the gospel tells us very clearly, Paul, Peter, the apostles who wrote scripture inspired by the Holy Spirit, they all tell us to make sure that we make the distinction between how people related to God in the Old Covenant, which is the law of God, or Moses' law, as some people know it as, and how people are to relate to God beyond the cross, which is by grace, or on the basis of Jesus and the finished work of the cross. And you so, so often people mix that, and this is why we have all these uh, erroneous teachings and misleading teachings and confusing doctrines that, you know, people at the end of the day look at Scripture and say, well, I thought God loved me and He sent Jesus, but now He's holding me accountable for all these things. So what was the purpose of Jesus? And so in so many ways it brings confusion. And <clears throat> I'm not saying we know it all, but we've definitely taken off. <laughs> We're not waiting to take off. We've taken off. Amen. And so we want to share with you what God reveals to us and let, it, let the Holy Spirit let God Himself confirm it to you and bring freedom into your life. Amen. And so today specifically, I want to share with you, I want to show you scripture of, you know, the freeing truth about getting out of fellowship with God when we do wrong. So, do you believe that if you do wrong, if you sin, that that will cause you to get out of fellowship with God? In other words, God turns His face from you. He decides not to answer your prayers. And He decides to distance Himself from you because you've done wrong or because you've sinned. Now, let me just say this up front because I always need to say this for the legalists who may be listening. I am not saying it's okay to do wrong. I'm not saying it's okay to sin. Of course not. Why would anyone encourage anyone to do that? Amen especially someone who preaches the gospel and represents God. That's the last thing we want to do. But at the same time, I want to share with you freeing truth about God's Word. Because here's the thing. That is a doctrine that has so often been taught, and people live in fear, people live in discouragement, and ultimately they are the ones that distance themselves from God and often walk away from their faith because they believe that they have messed up so bad and they just cannot sense the presence of God. They just don't feel God anymore. They just don't feel like they're in fellowship with God because of how the doctrine has affected their perception. 
And so they just decide, well, what's the point then? Why bother doing any of this? And so we want to bring freedom into our lives. Amen. That's why we have His grace. Amen. Fellowship with God is our relationship with God. It's how we spend time with God. It's how we relate to Him. I mean, if you really think about it and look at Scripture, it's the reason why God created us. It's so that we can fellowship with Him. Amen. There is a difference between fellowshipping with God and being in fellowship with God. Did you hear what I said? There's a difference between fellowshipping with God and being in fellowship with God. What's the difference? Well, fellowshipping with God is when we make time, we set time aside, whether it's in the morning, in the evening, while we're driving our car, <clears throat> however it is, we set time aside where we actually take time to fellowship with Him. It's like when we fellowship with you know, friends, family, people we know. But, so that's fellowshipping. But to be in fellowship with God means that you are part of what He is. You're part of who He is. And you're actually part and parcel of His family, of all that He is and all that He does. So it's very different. You know, for example, <clears throat> I may fellowship with you at times, like we did last week. Thank you, those of you who came out. It was wonderful. We enjoyed our time together. And I was fellowshipping. You were fellowshipping with me. But also, we are in fellowship with each other because we're all part of New Creation Church, part of this ministry. And so we are in fellowship. <clears throat> that unites us in a way that doesn't unite you with anything else. You know, it would be the same as me with my family and you with your family. You fellowship with your family, but you're also in fellowship with them. Meaning that you are part and parcel, you belong to that group, to that unit. Amen. So that's the difference. And so when people say, you know, that you can get out of fellowship with God, we're not talking about fellowshipping. We're talking about being in fellowship with God. In other words, being part of who He is and what He is and being part of His family and all of that. Can sin, can wrong actually cut you off from being a part of God's family? Some people believe that. <clears throat> Some people walk away thinking that that's what's happened. And because of that, you know, as I said, there is a popular belief that basically says that through sin or negligence, a believer can get out of fellowship with God and thus risk all that they are and all that they have in Jesus. So you have all these different doctrines that say, well, if you sin, if you live in continual sin, habitual sin, or if you just neglect fellowshipping with God, you can actually get out of fellowship with God and thus risk all that you are and you have in Jesus. So God will turn His back on you and you will become just like an unsaved person. That's in essence what that whole doctrine conveys. Is that really true? Does that really happen? Can that really happen? So, to begin, let's first look at the definition of the word fellowship. Looking at Scripture, looking at the New Testament, the New Covenant, <clears throat> let's see what the word fellowship from the original Greek actually means. And so it's going to come up on the screen now. We are looking at it, at it from the New Testament Greek lexicon. And so, here's what it says. There's the word fellowship. There's the uh, Strong's number, the Greek word, which will help you study. 
And it's the word in the Greek pronounced koinonia. And according to the original language, <clears throat> it is a noun in the feminine sense. So it's a noun. Now you know yourself. A noun talks about the state or the condition of something or someone. So when it says fellowship, it's talking about the state of fellowship. It's not talking about the action of fellowshipping. It's talking about the state of fellowship. And this is why I said to you, is it's talking about our state of fellowship, of unity with God. And you'll see more in a moment. And here's what it, can, it also means from the original Greek. It means fellowship. It means association. It means community. It means communion. It means joint participation. It means intercourse. Now, I know that that last one we generally associate with, you know, physical intimacy. And yes, it does include that. But intercourse itself is just having a deep personal relationship with someone. But it does paint a picture of where this is going. And so you can see from that, that the word fellowship, the state of being in fellowship with God, includes all of those things. So really, fellowship with God means to be in joint participation with God. It means to be in communion with God. Or, even better put, it means to be one with Him. Just like a husband and wife, when they choose to get married and they pronounce their vows before God and they enter into covenant with one another and with God, God says the two shall become one flesh. God just supernaturally joins them. It's unexplainable, it's understandable, but they just know that something has happened. And so that's what that intercourse part talks about. And so that's what it means to be in fellowship with God. It means to be one with Him. So really, at the end of the day, it is more than just having one-on-one -on -one time with God. It is about being one with God. Let me say that again. It's more than having one-on-one -on -one -on -one time with God. It is about being one with God. That's what it means to be in fellowship with God. So when you receive salvation in Jesus, you also entered into fellowship with God. In other words, you became one with Him. So look at this in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 17. It confirms that, that truth. But he or she that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. One translation says, is one spirit with Him. And so you can see from that, that when we receive salvation in Jesus, we become one with Him. Not physically, but spiritually. And so <clears throat> this is why we know something has happened. We, have, we sense this union with Him and we sense this fellowship with Him. We sense, we know that we are in fellowship with God. That's what that means. Uh, Ephesians 5 verse 30 confirms that as well. It says there, For we are members of His body, talking about Jesus, of His flesh and of His bones. We can liken being someone who has received salvation in Jesus as someone who's part of Jesus' body. It actually tells us that we are members of His body. So if my left hand one day decides 
you know, to develop its own will and decides, I don't want to be part of this body anymore. Well, it doesn't have a choice. It's part of me. I control it. It's who I am. It's, it's in fellowship with me. And so that's what that means. So to be in fellowship with God talks about your union with Him, being one with Him in and through Jesus. We need to establish that clearly and make sure we understand this because of where we are going with this, okay? So <clears throat> if fellowship with God then means to be one with Him, then we have to ask this question. Can we be separated from God after having become one with Him in Jesus? Absolutely, the answer is no. If we become one with God in and through Jesus, if we become, as I've just shown you, one spirit with Him, if we become one with Him, then how can we be separated from Him beyond that? The very thing that had separated us from God, which is sin, can that then separate us again from God after us having received salvation in Jesus? If someone believes that and someone says yes to that, then I have to ask this question to you. So are you saying to me that sin is more powerful than Jesus and the finished work of the cross and all that he went through to redeem you? Of course not. At the cross, he defeated sin. That's why he did it. So for us to say that the very thing that got him to come down to earth to save us and redeem us, the very thing that he did that for can actually reverse all that he did and put us back in a separated state with God, then what was the point of Jesus and the finished work of the cross? Amen. It doesn't make sense. After having received salvation in Jesus, we can never get or be out of fellowship with God. Now, our perception may change because we've done wrong. Or if someone decides to engage in sin, even intentionally, our perception will change. We will feel separated from God. We will feel like we are out of fellowship with God. But our feelings don't determine gospel truth. Our feelings don't change God's truth. God says, I have forgiven you in and through Jesus, and I have united you to me and Him in Jesus, and therefore you are in eternal fellowship with me. So when you don't live up to what you should live up to for your own good, He says, my, <laughs> my view doesn't change. My perspective doesn't change. Now, what you, your wrongdoing, your sin, causes you to change your perspective because you feel guilt, shame, and condemnation, but it doesn't change gospel truth. I'm going to show you all this in a moment, okay? But I want to make sure that you understand that we cannot get out of fellowship with God on the basis of that because Jesus took care of that. God Himself in Jesus took care of that. Well, what about passages like Psalm 66 verse 18? And there's many more, I know that, but this is going to address them all, you'll see. Well, what about that? So let's have a look at Psalm 66 verse 18. <clears throat> Here's the psalmist, King David. And watch what he says. He says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Look at that real carefully. Iniquity is the state of fully progressed sin. In other words, it's when someone is willfully and intentionally sinning. 
It is habitual sin. So it's the grown-up state of a state of sinfulness, if you will. And here the psalmist says, if I regard iniquity, in other words, if I know that I'm willfully sinning, I am willfully doing wrong, I'm doing it intentionally, and I'm doing it habitually, he says, if I do that, then the Lord will not hear me. In other words, what he is saying is, is that I no longer have fellowship with God. My fellowship with God has then come to an end. I am out of fellowship with God is in essence what he's saying. Now, <clears throat> I know immediately someone's thinking, see, there it is. So how can you say that we cannot get out of fellowship with God as new covenant believers? Well, that's exactly my point, as new covenant believers. Because here's the thing, that was written by King David, obviously inspired by God. And as you know, King David messed up pretty bad. He knew exactly what willful, intentional, habitual sin was, because he did it many times. But yet, he received God's grace and mercy and forgiveness. He still experienced the consequence of what he did through that sin. <clears throat> but the point is, is that King David was not a new covenant believer. And so he lived under the law, because <clears throat> that's how people related to God by law uh, in the old covenant. So he related to God by law. And so because of that, that's how the law works. <clears throat> the law works based on legalism. You do, you get. You don't do, you don't get. I mean, Deuteronomy 28 gives you all the consequences of not following the law, which are all curses. And then it tells you the blessings of following the law. And if you look at the whole chapter, <clears throat> there's so many verses, only a small portion talk about the blessings and the rest are all about the curses of not following the law. And so anyone living under the old covenant Yes, they could get out of fellowship with God because they were, number one, they were not one with God. They didn't have redemption in Jesus like we do. They couldn't receive salvation in Jesus and be spiritually, internally transformed and become a new creation and thus be united with God and be one with Him and thus be in eternal fellowship with Him. They didn't have that. All they had was the type and shadow, the animal sacrifices, which were a type of Jesus. But they could never experience what we have the privilege of experiencing today as New Covenant believers. And so when he wrote this, he wrote it correctly. So then we need to realize that this is written for us, but it's not written to us. You see, all too often, people that mix law and grace, Old Covenant way of relating to God with New Covenant way of relating to God, all too often they say they just make the assumption and they teach it as though everything that's in the Bible is written to the New Covenant believer. And that's not <clears throat> how it is. Some things are written for us so we can see and understand like we are today. And some things are written to us. In other words, yes, this does apply to you and you need to follow this, <clears throat> right? This is one of those things that is written for us but not to us because it is for an old covenant uh, person. It is someone who feared God, who followed God in the old covenant under the law. And so that's what this is. And that's why King David rightly wrote that. So yes, could someone living under the old covenant <clears throat> relating to God by law, could someone get out of fellowship with God? Yes, they could. But then also we need to remember that no one, before the cross, 
could become one with God. They could not and they did not have the full redemption in Jesus that you and I get to have. So we need to say, were they really in fellowship with God to begin with? Not like we are as New Covenant believers. Yes, they were in fellowship with God through covenant. Yes, they were in fellowship with God through the law. But it wasn't the kind of personal union that you and I have as New Covenant believers. So really, in essence, they would be fellowshipping with God. And thus, when they sinned or did wrong, they obviously their conscience would kick in. The law would show them that they're guilty. And so their perception would change. And so, yes, they would. Then their fellowshipping with God would be affected. When believers don't make the distinction between the old covenant way of relating to God and the new covenant way of relating to God, <clears throat> guess what happens? They make the mistake of believing that they can get out of fellowship with God. And the gospel truth is, is that you can not. I'm about to show you all that. You cannot get out of fellowship with God. We've already seen how you become one with Him. We've already seen how you are a member of His body. So what we're going to do is, I'm going to give you more clarification here from a portion of Scripture in the New Testament, which is often used to back up things like what King David said. In other words, they mix law and grace and they say, well, here's a New Covenant Scripture that seems to be saying what David said. And so see, it does apply to the New Covenant believer. But we're going to look at it. We're going to study it a little bit to clarify what it's actually saying. And it's not saying what most people claim that it says. People who preach legalism, people who misinterpret Scripture or don't really fully understand Scripture that way and understand the difference between Old Covenant and New Covenant way of relating to God, they bring that mixture into this and they misinterpret what this says. So let's have a look at it because it does look like it says that. It does look like it says that a New Covenant believer can get out of fellowship with God when they do wrong or when they sin. Watch this. 1 John chapter 1, verse 6 and 7 from the King James translation. Watch this. John writes here, If we say that we have fellowship with Him, talking about God. So if we say we have fellowship with God, watch this now, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Now the one another is not talking about believers, it's talking about the believer and God, because that's the subject, that's the context. So we have fellowship with one another, in other words, you and God, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Now, just because we see the word sin at the end of that portion, what most people do is bring sin as the subject and say, see, to walk in darkness means to walk in sin, and to walk in light means to, walk, to not walk in sin. And thus, they say, see, there's proof right there that we can get out of fellowship with God as New Covenant believers. And the truth is, we cannot. So, let's clarify some things there to help us understand that correctly. First of all, <clears throat> John was writing, when he wrote this, he had two groups of people in mind, which he was dealing with in his circle that he influenced. Number one, he was dealing with the Gnostics of his day. 
And number two, he was dealing with new believers in his day. Gnostics were people who, they can be likened to, you know, new age people today. They just embrace anything and everything. They really just, you know, deny a lot of the gospel truth. And, you know, Buddhism is okay and uh, Krishna is okay. And however you label God, whatever you choose, it's okay because it all leads to the same thing. And they don't realize that <laughs> they're all false gods. But <clears throat> that's what a Gnostic is. A Gnostic has had very weird and strange beliefs back in the day as they do today. It's kind of their own way of religion and, and God and everything else. And so this is who John was addressing because there were some Gnostics that were contemplating receiving salvation in Jesus and becoming believers and some had already done that and there was other new believers in his group that he was trying to protect from them being influenced by the wrong doctrine or erroneous doctrine. And so this is who he's talking to here. And so, again, like I said, because sin is mentioned at the end of verse 7, the assumption is made that to walk in darkness means to live in sin, and to walk in light means to not live in sin. And I'm about to show you that that's not the case at all. And so, if that was the case, yeah, we would be able to conclude and say, well, if someone walks in darkness, if that is sin, then he tells us clearly right there that we don't do the truth and you know, we're not in the light. In other words, you are out of fellowship with God. That's what this seems to be saying. And so let's clarify this. And, you know, the honest truth is, this is that if that is what this was saying, we're all in trouble. Every single one of us. There is not a single person on earth who could say, yes, I qualify because there is absolutely no sin in my life. Because if that's what that means, to, if to walk in the light means to walk without sin, not with some sin, not with, you know, unrecognizable sin or acceptable sin. See, we have a way of putting levels and acceptances and things on sin, but sin is sin. <laughs> Whether it's stealing a pencil or committing a crime, it is still sin, and God sees it all the same. So the point is, is that if that is the case, that to walk in the light is to walk without sin, well, then none of us qualify because we're all descendants of a fallen being. We're all subject to do wrong, to make mistakes, to sin. So if that was the case of walking in the light, then we all fall short. Let me show you that. Psalm 51 verse 5, watch this, from the Amplified Classic now. The psalmist writes and he says, Behold, I was brought forth in a state of iniquity. In other words, in a state of sin. My mother was sinful. Now by that, David doesn't mean that you know she was a promiscuous woman, not at all. What he means is her nature was sinful, who conceived me and I too am sinful. In other words, what the psalmist is saying here is, is that because we're all descendants of a fallen being, namely Adam, we're all sinful. This is why we have a propensity to sin. In other words, none of us qualify. None of us are without sin, is what he's saying. And then Romans 5 verse 12 from the Amplified Classic again, watch what it says. Therefore, as sin came into the world through one man, that's talking about Adam when he messed up, and death as a result of sin, so death, watch us, spread to all men, in other words, all people, and no one being able to stop it or escape its power because all men or people sinned. So that again tells us what the psalmist said and what we know to be true. None of us are without sin. Without Jesus, without forgiveness in Jesus, and without redemption in Jesus, and without 
recognizing our new state in Jesus, none of us qualify. So to say that, you know, John was saying that if you can eliminate as much sin as possible in your life, then you're walking in the light. That's not what he was saying. Because it's either absolute or it's not. Either you are completely, totally without sin or you are not. And we know that we're not. And so without redemption in Jesus, no one has the chance of having any kind of relationship or fellowship with God. And so for those who mix law and grace, then we also have to realize that there's little hope for them too. Because no matter how good you try and be, you're just never going to be 100%. So, having said all that, remember that we've already established that fellowship with God means to be one with Him, right? And we are one with Him in Jesus. So we can never be out of fellowship with God. Amen. I trust that you are convinced of that already. So, let's have a look at 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9, just to solidify some of these truths. Look at what it says there. God is faithful, by whom you were called unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now look at that real carefully. It says that God is faithful, who called you into the fellowship of His Son. So, question. Whose faithfulness placed you in fellowship with Him? God's faithfulness, right? So, his faithfulness keeps us in fellowship with Him, not ours. Would you agree? Absolutely. So it's not your faithfulness that keeps you in fellowship with God. It is His faithfulness that keeps you in fellowship with Himself through what He did for you in and through Jesus. Amen? Praise God for that. If it's His faithfulness that keeps me in fellowship with Him, then even when I'm not so faithful, He remains faithful. Because it is His faithfulness that keeps us in fellowship with Him. Praise God for that. Amen. And so our fellowship with God is in Jesus, not in Adam or anyone else. It is God's faithfulness. Amen. Now look at this one. 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 14. This is, you know, the kind of the conclusion of the letter that Paul writes. It says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion. That word communion is the same word as fellowship. So you could say, And the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. Paul makes the assumption that all the believers that are reading his letter, that they understand that they have the love of God, that they have fellowship with God through the Holy Spirit, and it's upon them all, including grace. Notice there. Right? So we see that in Jesus, the believer enjoys a threefold blessing that Paul mentions there. They enjoy God's grace, they enjoy God's love, and they enjoy fellowship. Why? Because it's on the basis of His faithfulness, not ours. Praise God for that. Amen. So fellowship with God then is certain in Jesus. Can you say amen to that? Fellowship with God is certain in Jesus. It is secure. It can never be broken. It can never be interrupted by anything or anyone. Because it's on the basis of what God has done for us in and through Jesus. And it is maintained and sustained by His own faithfulness. Praise God for that. So can you get out of fellowship with God as a new covenant believer? No, you cannot. Your perception will change. If you engage in things you shouldn't engage in. But the truth is, you're never out of fellowship with God. 
Amen. And praise God for that. So then, I know, we're still lingering and thinking, okay, but then what about the darkness thing and the light thing that we just read in 1 John 1, 6 and 7? So let's have a look at the original meaning from the original language of the word darkness and the word light. So that's what I'm going to show you next. Here they are from the complete word study Bible dictionary. The word darkness is the word skotos or something like that in the Greek. And here's what it means. Yes, it can also and should be translated. Shadiness, that is obscurity, literally or figuratively darkness. So notice, it's talking about actual darkness. When you switch the lights off, it's dark. It's talking about that actual darkness. Notice here, there's no implication of sin. So it's not talking about sin. It's talking about actual darkness, right? Figurative darkness or literal darkness. All right. So now, let's have a look at the word light, which, by the way, is the opposite of that. They are opposites of each other. So again, from the complete word study Bible dictionary, the word light is the word force. And here's what it means and how it can also be translated. To shine or make manifest, especially by rays, luminousness. In the widest application, natural, artificial, abstract or concrete, literal or figurative, fire, light. So again, it is literally talking about actual light or figurative light. Again, it's not talking about sin, as you can see, or not sin, right? So, looking at that, you can see that darkness refers to literal or figurative darkness. And light refers to literal or figurative light. In other words, there is no direct or immediate implication to sin or living in sin. So translations that somehow put sin in there as saying that that's what darkness is and no sin is saying that's what light is, they're just taking a free license based on the, on the word at the end that said sin. And we'll make sense of that in a moment now. Most translations sadly do that, but that's not what it's saying. So let's have a look at that same portion again from the Passion Translation, which helps us understand and see that clearer. Watch us now. It says, if we claim that we share life with Him, that's the fellowship part, but keep walking, watch this, this is more accurately translated, but keep walking, watch this, in the realm of darkness, we fooling ourselves and not living the truth. But if we keep living in the pure light that surrounds Him, we share, watch this, unbroken fellowship with one another. That's talking about you and God. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, watch us, continually cleanses us from all sin. Let's leave that on for a moment. Let me say some things there. Notice that when you look at it in context and you look at it in the different ways and considering the meanings that I've shown you, what we see here is, is that darkness refers to the unsaved state. Because remember I said to you, he was speaking to Gnostics who were not saved. And he was clarifying things for new believers who just became saved. And so what he's talking about here when he says the realm of darkness, it's talking about the unsaved state. And light refers to the saved state. 
So what he is doing here is he's saying there are some people who are claiming to be believers, but they actually still are living in darkness, in the unsafe state, because they are saying that you can have broken fellowship with God, that you can be out of, out of fellowship with God, and that's not so. Because if you live in the light, which God is light, then you have unbroken fellowship with Him. And just to make sure that you know that you have unbroken fellowship with Him, He says at the end, the blood of Jesus continually cleanses you from anything that would try to break your fellowship with Him. So you can be certain that you have fellowship with Him. That's another way that you can put all of that. So the one talks about living in an unsaved state and the other talks about living in a saved state, right? And there's scripture that backs that up. Watch us in Colossians 1 verse 13 from the King James. It says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, talking about God and Jesus, and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. So what has God done for us? He has delivered us from the realm of darkness and has translated us into the realm of light, which is the realm of His Son. So you can see that that portion is making it real clear that darkness talks about the unsaved state and light talks about the unsaved state. Here's another one, 1 Peter 2 verse 9. Talking about believers here. <clears throat> he says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. A holy nation. A peculiar people that ye should show for the praises of him who hath called you, watches, out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once more you see that it says that believers have been taken out of the realm of darkness and placed into the realm of light. In other words, you were once unsaved in darkness, and now you are in light as saved people. And so there you have at least two evidences that show you that to, to, in order to understand what John said, we need to let the Bible interpret the Bible, look at everything in context, and see everything through the finished work of the cross, which we've just done, and you see right there that it is as clear as anything. He wasn't talking about believers getting out of fellowship with God. He was talking to people who were professing to be believers, but were not really believers. But yet they were saying, see, you know, we live in light, but yet they would claim that they could have broken fellowship with God. And he says, no, that's not the case. You cannot have broken fellowship with God because the blood of Jesus is always cleansing you. In other words, the blood of Jesus is always keeping you in fellowship with God is what he said. So the believer cannot and does not live in both states. You don't live in an unsafe state and a safe state, right? <laughs> you live in a safe state. So either you are saved or you're not saved. So someone then who lives in the light is one who understands that they can never be out of fellowship with God. Amen. You see, they understand that through the shed blood of Jesus, they are kept forever clean of all sin. Even when they mess up, even when they do wrong, they still have the blood of Jesus. Because we live in this fallen body, in this fallen world, the blood of Jesus keeps us clean and therefore keeps us in fellowship with God. That's the power of redemption in Jesus. Amen. So the assurance of our unchanging fellowship with God 
is the continual cleansing of the blood of Jesus. That's why he said that at the end, right? So the blood of Jesus keeps on cleaning us from all sin and thus keeps us in fellowship with God. Did you see that? I mean, it is right there as clear as anything. So our fellowship with God then is not determined by our merit or our religious performance. It is determined by the redemption that we have in Jesus. And it is maintained and sustained, as I've shown you, by the faithfulness of God. Amen. You see, that's why it's called grace. We cannot get out of fellowship with God when we do wrong. Now, am I saying that it's okay to do wrong? Of course not. Of course I'm not saying that. Amen. I mean, Romans 6 verse 1 and 2 makes that clear to us from the Phillips translation. Look at what it says. Now, what is our response to be? Shall we sin to our heart's content and see how far we can exploit the grace of God? See, it was even an issue then, people misunderstanding. And then look at what he says. What a ghastly thought. <laughs> we who have died to sin, how could we live in sin a moment longer? In other words, it is not the nature of someone who receives salvation in Jesus to intentionally sin and intentionally live in sin. Those who have tried it will tell you the guilt, shame and condemnation just doesn't work for them. We just cannot because it's not our nature. We cannot live in that state because we're no longer in that state. And this is why he says, it's just, it's not okay. God is never okay with it and you're not going to be okay with it because it's not your nature. So that's not what we're saying at all. But a believer can never get out of fellowship with God. That is an unchanging truth. This is why we have redemption in Jesus. We have God's forgiveness so that when we do wrong and we do mess up, we can say, Father, I'm sorry. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for forgiving me in and through Jesus. And have confidence that you are not out of fellowship with God because you cannot be out of fellowship with God. You see, when we receive salvation in Jesus, we are eternally bonded to Him as we've seen. And thus, we are in, eternally in fellowship with Him. A great example of that is the one we find in Luke chapter 15, where most people know it as the prodigal son. That account is really not about the prodigal son. It's really about the love of the father, the heart of the father, or even more specifically, it's about the unbroken fellowship that the son had with his father. The son, as you know, asked for his inheritance ahead of time. He says, Dad, I can't wait for you to die. Give me what's mine now. He gave it to him. He takes off and wastes it and blows it all on everything and anything. Then he comes back. Most people will say it's hypocritical. You took advantage of it, Dad. Now you're coming back for more. And what does the father do? He's been looking out for him. When he sees him coming, he runs to him, embraces him, kisses him, tells his servant, put a rob on him, give him a ring. In other words, restore his honor. He is in full fellowship with me. It's never been broken. And I'm making sure that he knows about it. Throws him a feast. The older son has an issue with it because, you know, he represents a legalistic believer, I guess. And he says, how can you do that? I've been with you. He says, son, you don't understand. Neither you or him, and I'm putting it all in my own words, neither you or him have ever had broken fellowship with me because you are my sons. I am your father and I love you. 
And you see, that's the heart of that whole story, that whole account that Jesus shared, to let us know that even when we mess up, even when we do wrong, we don't get out of fellowship with God because He loves us dearly. Amen. Praise God, praise God. Now the son's perception may have changed for a while, but the father made sure that it changed back to what it should be. And so God will do for you and I. Amen. God loves us dearly. We can never get out of fellowship with God when we do wrong. That's the power of redemption in Jesus. Amen. We trust that you are blessed by this message. For more information about our ministry or to make a donation to help us continue spreading the gospel, please visit our website at redemptioninjesus.com.